Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. During his five-year NFL career, Carson has experienced the ups and downs of the game. But if you listen to his story, it's clear that his foundation lies somewhere else, in something else. This is Carson's story. Grew up in uh, Bismarck, North Dakota. Was extremely active in sports. That was pretty much my life. Parents got divorced when I was seven. I was a good kid. I stayed out of trouble. You know, we, we went to church. It was kind of just something we did. It's kind of something we checked the boxes, so to speak. And I thought I was right with God because I was a good kid. I listened to what my dad said. I didn't want to get in trouble. Didn't want to miss sports. Kind of all those things, all those factors in my mind made me think I'm good. And then I go to college, and at that point it's, okay, you're no longer in your parents' house. It's time to grow up, make your own decisions. I remember one of our first practices, it was a senior quarterback at the time named Dante Perez. He ends up asking me, hey man, you ever read the Bible? It was our first practice. I just got done learning about two-jet protection and what the X has on the certain plays and all these things, my head's spinning. And he wants to talk about the Bible, and I'm kind of taken back. At the same time though, I was like, here it is, because I knew God was kind of moving. And from that moment on, him and I started talking. He was a mentor to me. We read the entire New Testament and met up, you know, at least once a week and, and talked through the Word. And it just came to life to me. You know, it was really eye-opening to me. I always said I was a believer in Jesus, but I didn't really know what He did for me. You know, I thought it was all about what I could do for Him. And when that kind of mindset was flipped on its head and that it was already done for me and that it was a thing called grace and I could live for Him freely and not out of rules and obligation, it, it just changed my life. We were all on this, on this high as a team. You know, I was um, in the MVP conversation, and our team was, you know, we just clinched the NFC East and all sorts of good things going. And uh, my season was done. And for me, I've fa I've had a fair share of injuries, but never something like that. Never something where I literally had zero control of my life. I, I couldn't walk. I couldn't get off the couch to go to the bathroom by myself. I couldn't. Just complete control had to be surrendered. Believe me, I wasn't the best patient. I was frustrated, I was crabby. It was a trying time. But to look back at it and to see, you know, we go on to win the Super Bowl, everyone knows that story, and, and I was not out there. And to walk through that, um, obviously it was tough at the time, and I still look back and think it was a tough time, but I know God was moving in my life, and He wanted me to know that He loves me so much that my relationship with Him is far more important than winning a Super Bowl, than being on that stage in my uniform, than playing in that game, but ultimately playing for His glory and saying, God, Your will be done. And just how God has had His hand from that moment on um, in my life, and, and I thank Him for it. Amen. Well, praise God. What a testimony, huh? That's for sure. Well, who's ready for Super Bowl Sunday? Yeah. Two giant teams. I always say, you know, it's, it's light versus darkness, good versus evil. It's the young stud versus the old goat. How many, uh, how many Chiefs fans do we have in the house? By show, how about a clap for Chiefs? That's enough. We won't even worry about the other side, amen. No, they're... They're both great teams. Hopefully, it's going to be a great game this afternoon. But, you know, it's kind of like Carson just said, you know, it's, it's about playing for his glory. 
win or lose, you know, whatever happens, it's, it's about playing for the Lord and, and just really having that down. So, uh, Pastor Mike, welcome to you here this morning. Uh, my name is Randy Hartz. I'm one of the assistant ministers here on staff and, and just excited to be able to share with you. You know, the Holy Spirit is the coach of the church, of the body of Christ. Pastor Mike is the coach of this church. Now, I'm one of the assistant coaches, so got the call last night to, to do both services, and I'm super excited. We're going to talk about how to have an unshakable life. I'm going to teach you three keys. And, and my goal is, number one, just to uncover what an unshakable life looks like and then give you some steps and, and processes and, and how to work that way uh, move your life in that direction. So I've been a fitness coach for going on 25 years, so I'm gonna put my coaching hat on today, okay? And all a coach does is he simply helps you get from where you're at to where you wanna go in the least amount of time. But here's the deal, this is give and take. You, you, you know, who's willing to be coachable today? I'm gonna coach you, but who's willing to be coachable? So again, you know, you might hear some things that, that shake you a little bit, that, that wake you up, that, that get you moving, and that's okay, amen? So again, three keys to living an unshakable life. First of all, we got to define that word unshakable. What does it actually mean? It means impossible to weaken or get rid of. It means steadfast and unwavering, unable to be changed. You know, let that be said about you, that we're unable to be changed. When the winds of adversity blow against our lives, you know, like Carson talked about, he was on his way to, you know, possibly being the MVP of the league. They were on their way to the Super Bowl, and he has a season-ending injury, and he has to watch the game from the sidelines. You know, that will shake you if you don't have, you know, a firm foundation and, and, and have an unshakable life. It means to be resolute, determined, unflinching, persistent, and immovable. That's some, some words that go along with this unshakable life. On the flip side, you know, are you weak? Are you wavering? Are you unsure? Or are you shakable? We don't want to be that way. We want to have that, that unshakable life. All right, so Psalms chapter 62, this is going to be our, our foundation scripture. Uh, David actually prayed this psalm uh, or this prayer to God at a time when, when he, he was a military force. You know, he was a great leader. Uh, but here was the thing. You know, here's what he said. He, he was acknowledging his life and he was saying, hey, it's not about me, God. It's about you and, and what you've done. And, and at the end there, there's that word, I will never be shaken. And here's the reason why he was never shaken. He says, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and he is my salvation. He is my fortress. And because of that, I will not be shaken. That's what an unshakable life or an unshakable prayer looks like. You know, I think about this word fortress. And, and when I think of the word fortress, I think about a, about a castle. You know, it's got really thick, tall walls. And, and when the enemy tries to come in and attack and, and attack your kingdom and, and take your goods and so forth, you're at a high point. And you're able to, to be at a position of strength and, and shoot down at the enemy because you've got a fortress built in your life. And, and you know, I've, I've taught a lot of times over the years we call this the pyramid of success. And this pyramid, it's got a really wide base because uh, in, in, in a narrow top, in a, in a triangle or a pyramid is one of the most strong geometric structures that's out there. So again, when the adversities and, and the challenges and the, the stiff winds of life blow, you're gonna be able to stand the test of time. So again, it's got that really wide base. And, and here's the deal. Anytime you're looking at a skyscraper or, or a big building, the bigger the building, the deeper the foundation, the stronger the foundation. And, and you know, you look at Faith Family Church, you come in, and, and if you're new here, you see the atrium and, and, the, and the beautiful sanctuary and all this stuff, but nobody ever pulls up and says, wow, what a foundation. 
Isn't that beautiful to look at, right? You don't see the foundation until the stiff winds start to blow, then you see the result of the foundation. Is that foundation gonna stand the test of time or is it gonna get blown over, amen? In this scripture, Matthew chapter seven, it says this, therefore whosoever hears these sayings of mine and not just hears them, because what does knowledge do? It puffs up. And what do we do? We, just, we don't just have to hear the word, but we have to put that word into action as well. So whoever hears the word and does the word, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. We want to be wise men and wise men, women, don't we? And then when the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. It did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. What are the winds and the rains and and, and you know, all that stuff, the floods that come, those are those adversities and those challenges that come against all of our lives. You know, it's been said we're coming into a crisis, coming out of a crisis, or in the middle of a crisis at any one time. And that's not a negative confession. Jesus even said it. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You don't have to go looking for adversity. I know, you know, when Noah was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis back, you know, three, four years ago, it was a challenge. It was an adversity. But again, we knew where our foundation was. It was in the solid rock. So when we got squeezed, you know, you, you can see then what comes out and we're able to stand the test of time. You know, May of 2019, we had a, a business that we had built up for the last 15 years that did about three and a half to $4 million a year and, and got on a Zoom meeting. And within a few minutes, they said, hey, we're going to pay you for another eight weeks and then we're changing everything and completely re- removing your com- compensation. That's an adversity. That's a win. That's a rain. Amen. And it was tough to stay on the test of time. But we're going to talk about how we did that. You know, COVID, people losing jobs, people losing income, you know, a pandemic. We've never been through something like this and, and just all the things. And it can shake you if, if, it allows you, if you allow it to. So the first key in having an unshakable life is having your foundation in Jesus Christ. And that's what, you know, this is the success pyramid. First step is his faith. That, that wide base, it's got to be built, that foundation of faith, amen? And it's got to be on, on the solid rock of, of Jesus Christ, like Matthew chapter 7 just said. You know, it's not about a religion and, and where you go to church and, and so forth. Religion is man's way of trying to get to God. Relationship is God's way of trying to get down to man, amen? And, and true faith in Jesus Christ, he's already done everything 2,000 years ago on the cross. You are favored, you are blessed, you are healed, you are delivered. You just have to walk in that, amen? He's already done that 2,000 years ago. It's up to you to walk in that. You're coming from a position of strength, not a position of weakness where you're trying to get God to do stuff for you. He's already done that for you 2,000 years ago. Amen. And then the second rung is family. You know, I gave my life to the Lord November 20th of 2001. Very best day of my life. Second best day of my life was when I married my wife, Melissa. You know, just having somebody in my life that believes in me and, and then just, you know, honey, you're going to do great today. Uh, you know, I'm like a little kid. I, I need it. I'm a word of affirmation guy. And so having her believe in me is a huge thing. The Bible says one sends 1,000 to flight, two sends 10,000. So when we come together, it's not just a, a, an addition, addition together, it's a multiplication effect together when we're, we're believing together. And Pastor Mike hit on the marriage conference that's next weekend. Men, take the lead and get signed up for this. You gotta find a way or make a way. You need to be in that room. There, there is no excuse of why not to build a better, more healthy marriage in your life. Again, if you've got Jesus Christ, you need to continue to build and, and invest and add value into that marriage. I don't care if your marriage is a 10 out of 10, you can still come, 
and do more or, or learn more. Amen? And then you talk about family. You know, it might be the friendships. And, and, you know, I look at having a pastor in my life, you know, a big part of our family and, and having a church family of a group of people that are moving in a specific direction that we can fall in line with and move in that direction and we can encourage one another and strengthen one another. And when I'm down, you can lift me up. When you, and when you're down, I can lift you up. And we work together in, in, in that firm foundation of faith and our family and it moves us together, amen. Then we've got our personal health and fitness. And I'm not gonna spend a ton, ton of time on this. Again, 25 years as a fitness coach, you know, I could bore you for hours about personal health and fitness, but you do need to take responsibility for this area of your life. Just, just praying only and, and believing God, yeah, that's part of it, but you do gotta get sleep and stay hydrated and, and put some good quality nutrition and things like that. And it's not about how you look. You know, you don't got to look like a, a big beefcake or a, or a fitness bunny or anything like that. But again, you need to take responsibility for this area of your life to have an abundance of energy, a great quality of life, and, and, and do all those things. And I'll show you in a moment how I got way off track in that area. And then the final area is your financial piece. The, the reason it's the smallest is because it's the least important. Unfortunately, in America, we put the most importance on this area, don't we? You know, a lot of times we'll say, what's the most valuable thing to you? May, your house your vehicles, all the tangible things that we can see and touch and, and that cost us money. But the most valuable things are the things there at the bottom that don't cost anything financially, but they're worth everything. You know, at the end of your life, you're not going to wish you could, you know, make another million dollars or, 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 you know, sell another this, that, or the other. You, you want your family and your friends and those close relationships around you. You know, we, we had that, that wake-up call when, when Melissa's mom passed away on, on New Year's Eve and, and just reconnecting with, like, my buddy Tate that night, and it was just awesome. You know, it's just been too many years since we'd been talking and, and, and just that connection and, and all that stuff. And I'll, I'll talk about, you know, you wonder about miracles. People like to see miracles in their life. I'll tell you this, to have Tate Olson and Randy Hartz in a church, you know, we were two of the lead bouncers down at Jams and Acme 20 years ago, and I'm telling you, if you messed up back then, you knew you got a beating. Amen? And he was the lead guy. He taught me the ropes. He taught Travis the ropes. And to have he and I sitting here in church, that is a miracle. Amen? Amen. So this is the pyramid of success. This is what works. And it's just asking yourself where you're at in each of these areas of life. Matthew chapter 7 on the flip side, it says this, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. We're not going to be a foolish, we're going to be wise. We're going to be hearers and doers of the word, not just hearers only. Who built his house on the sand and the rains descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. I've had a few great falls in my life, which I'll, I'll explain about. As we queue up the Sam Acho video, here's what I want, want you to listen to, how great his life was going, and then he got the multi-million dollar contract, and then what happened as a result of that. And listen to what he says about the identity thing as well. So go ahead and queue, queue up Sam's video. Freshman year, University of Texas, college campus, Jester Hall, third floor right outside of the elevator. Trevor Walker, that is third string quarterback, just waiting, reading his Bible. And so I stopped, and then maybe he stopped me, and, and we just start reading a little bit, talking a little bit, but it was at that point I said, okay, something's different about this guy. He said, if you want to be real about it, let's just be real about it. Let's live out our faith on this campus, on the football team with the guys. And it wasn't just me or him. We had about 10, 15, 20 guys on our team that wanted something more. So 
So I just signed um, a multi-year, multi-million dollar contract in the NFL. I mean, it was like, yeah, we did it, we did it, man. God is good. Oh, everything's going to be okay. And it wasn't. Right around that time, just the seams started to fall apart in my life. My relationship with my wife, Ngazi, blessing, right? I wasn't loving her the way I was called to love her. Even with my kids, I found myself getting angry with them often or being anxious all the time. My parents just seemed like it was just falling out with every, a lot of people, everyone and everything around me. And I was sitting down at a, at a restaurant in Chicago with one of my buddies. And I finally just got a chance to tell my mother, dude, I'm struggling. I am not doing well at all. And as I'm sharing with him everything that was going on, I'm, I'm sharing and I'm actually, I'm like, I started to cry. And he looks at me and he says, it's really nice to see you, Sam. He said, as long as I've known you, I've never seen this side of you. I've always seen the, the, the smile and the, the jerseys and I've never seen this side of you, but it's good to know that you're human. So many of us, we get trapped and caught and, and God's like, no, I see you. Let me move this weight off you. The weight I've been trying to carry was this weight of perfection. Right? I have it all together. I have all the answers. I'm the star. I'm the guy. I'm great. And God's like, I didn't have you to carry that. I want you to get to know me and to spend time with me. That's all I want. I am enough, not you. I am enough. It is so easy to pretend to act like we have it all together and put on our, you know, these figurative masks that we wear and be like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. It's so easy. But God is not a God of pretending. God is a God of freedom. The Bible talks about taking up your cross daily and following me. Am I going to take up my cross and be, be real, be authentic? Or am I going to pretend and act like I got it all together and act like I have all the answers? It's a daily decision. Amen. Amen. What a story. What a story. So the first key to having an unshakable life is having your foundation in Jesus Christ. The second key is having your identity in Christ. And you know, Sam mentions, he says, God is not a God of pretending. He is a God of freedom. And we all tend to wear these masks, right? And, and what did he say? That he sat down with a guy, it looked like he had it all together. You know, he put a lot of his faith and trust when he got that multi-million dollar contract, multi-year contract. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever, but all money does is it exposes what's on the inside of you. If you're a giver, you're going to be more of a giver. You know, if you're a taker and greedy and got a poverty, it's going to be more of that. It's just going to be an amplifier to whatever's going on in your life. And when he sat down with that guy and he started to tear up, you know, usually he has a facade of having the big smile and, and the jersey and having it all together. We do that a lot of times, don't we? And he sat down with the guy and tears started flowing and he said, Sam, it's finally good to see you. You know, God sees where you're at. He knows where we're at. He knows what's going on in the deep, dark recesses of our minds. And he, again, just wants us to all to have freedom. You know, I, I, I wore a mask in my life. You know, back, um, is this thing working here? Oh, you want to help me out with the, the next slide? There we go. Who's that guy? So it's 20 years ago, roughly, 2001. Uh, my dream was to become a professional bodybuilder. That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted to do. And you go, how do you get to that point? You know, uh, my dad died when I was 10 in a farming accident. So I didn't have any real strong male role models in my life. So I didn't have people to look up to. And, and, and that's a teaching point in and of itself. 
you know, young men and young women, they need leaders in their lives. And, and as a body of Christ, as a church family, it's up to us to, to reach out to other young people. If, if you've got a single mother or whatever it is, to reach out and, and to be mentors and, and, you know, father figures. Because I developed kind of like a, um, what am I trying to say, like a, um, a spirit of, not adoption, but an orphan spirit, an orphan mindset, that I've got to do it all on my own, that I've got to be a self-made man. And it wasn't that way because I didn't have those role models. And for some reason, I got in the muscle magazines and I got to looking at them and I was like, man, okay, these guys got it all together. They're strong. You know, they got success. They got the girls. They got the money. Everything that the world says is success, that's what I related these guys to. And all I did is I simply went out and created it. You know, over time, just, just built up, you know, this, this body, 280 pounds in the offseason, 240 pounds on stage, you know, benching over 500 pounds, squatting 700, 750 pounds, you know, you go, gosh, what, what does a guy like that eat? You know, I'd eat 12 uh, egg whites, two whole eggs for breakfast with some oatmeal. I'd eat a two and a half pounds of chicken a day, a family pack of chicken every single day, along with two cups of rice, and then before bed, I'd eat 18 egg whites. It took work. If you want to be a champion in any area, it took work. Amen? And it was a full-time gig. But you look at this guy, and on the outside, it looks like he's got it all together. The smiles, I just made it in the muscle magazines, and kind of, kind of living my dream. And, you know, little did people know what was going on behind the scenes. Philippians chapter 3 says this, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when, when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else. I count it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. That former lifestyle, you know, how many trophies, how many Super Bowl rings do you have to win if you, you know, looking for fulfillment? If you're looking for fulfillment and, and, and your identity is attached to anything other than Christ and it can re- be removed in your life, I promise you, your life will be shaken when that is removed. And that's what happened to me. November 20th of 2001, here's what was going on behind the scenes. You know, I'm selling drugs, uh, steroids and ecstasy were, were my main thing. You know, I'm cheating on Melissa. We were engaged at the time. And, and just sin, train wreck, over and over and over. You know, going to jams with a pocket full of pills and a pocket full of money. Everybody wants to be around you. Then November 20th of 2001, it was a Tuesday. Uh, you know, my world came crashing down. I got arrested for drug trafficking, and then nobody knew me. On shackles and handcuffs, on, on Kelloland News. Talk about being hum- humbled. But it was the best worst day of my life. The best day of my life because I finally surrendered. I finally got to remove that mask that Sam was talking about and and got to pierce through and figure out who is Randy. Why was Randy put here on earth? It wasn't to be this this big bodybuilder and and bring bring glory to me and and just, you know, feed my flesh, feed my needs. That that was not what it was about. And Jesus Christ completely changed everything. It It was amazing. It was supernatural what happens. It makes no sense in your mind. The worst day because I set things in motion you know, with the law. I ended up having to spend, I was eight and a half months in, in, in county jail down in Florida, 2,000 miles away from home. The story doesn't make any sense. Really should have been a federal case. But when God needs to get your attention, he'll put you where it is that you need to be. And I tell people, when you're so low, you look, need to look up to, to see the bottom. You realize that God's only need, is all you need in that situation. And I told my wife, the first thing, you know, we were engaged at the time. I said, hey, if you're going to hang with me, 
get down here to this church because Pastor Mike was the only man that spoke truth into my life. I remember standing right here and he's, we, were, we were living together and he said with a smile on his face, now think about how I looked, right? And then he got Pastor Mike and he said, you need to make an honest woman out of her and marry her and until you do, God cannot bless your sin. And that took guts. That took courage to do that. Nobody ever talked to me that, like that because I built that, that armor up. But guess what? When I got in trouble, where did I tell Melissa to go? Right here. Because again, he was willing to speak the truth in love, which is what a pastor does, which is what a coach does. Amen. And again, this born again experience, I can't explain it. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. This one pinpointed time when I just, I didn't even know what to pray. And, and Pastor Mike comes and sees, sees me and, and leads me in a, in, a, in a prayer and not even realizing what, what happened and went on in here. But I, you know, back then the uh, four-letter words were, were every other word in, in my life. And I remember walking around the jail cell and having one come out. And I was like, you know what? That doesn't sound right anymore. It was the Holy Spirit that began to work inside of me. Again, it doesn't make any sense up here. You know what? I don't need to ha- know how a microwave works to, to put the thing in and hit a minute and have it heated up. I don't need to know how it all works. I just need to know that, that I, I need to submit and, and, and hook up with that. Amen? So identity versus role. You are, not, you are not what you do, and you are not who the world says that you are. You know, so many times we, we, we take our roles as identities. You know, if you're a plumber or a teacher or, or whatever that is, that's your role. But your identity is founded in Jesus Christ. Because again, if your identity is found in something like the world, when it got stripped from me, I didn't know what to do. So again, you need to look at that in your life and make sure your your identity is not attached to anything external. Amen? Well, first off, my mom and dad both raised me in the the church. Uh, Just being able to come up uh, through the church, uh, I kind of built a great relationship with God and I've, I've tried to keep that as I've gotten older, and uh, faith is huge for me. Just be able to stay on the right track and be able to live life knowing that I, I can I can be free, and, and God will have me, and He'll always accept me. The, the team provides us uh, Bible study every Friday, and that will help us kind of keep up and not lose track of where we're at and with, with our faith. And then, as well as chapel every uh, night before the game, and that that's huge for me because it kind of gives me that, that uh, last touch, I guess you would say, that last thing that can kind of help me know that I can go out there and, and just play and be myself and uh, whatever happens, God has, me, has my back. Uh, I go to chapel every, every Saturday night and uh, just kind of get that message and get the message that, and keep, keep up to date with God and everything that he's providing for me and every opportunity that he's given me. And then before every game, I walk, I walk the field and I, I just do a prayer at the goalpost and I just I thank God kind of for those opportunities and I thank God for just letting me be able, be on a stage where I can uh, glorify Him, and I feel like the biggest thing that I, I pray for is that whatever happens, win or lose, uh, success or failure, that uh, He that I'm glorifying Him and doing everything the right way that He wants me to. Uh, for the folks in the stadium uh, praying for me, I mean, definitely just pray that I just go out there and I be myself. I go out there and play the way God would want me to play, and that and that's to glorifying Him and uh, have no fear. And I feel like that's the, that's the thing that you could pray for me the most is just to go out there and be, and be myself and just play the way that uh, God wants me to. Amen. 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 What do you say? Win or lose, I just want to go out there and I want to glorify God. You think he's got a healthy identity in Christ? You think he knows who he is in Christ? Again, the key to having an unshakable life is having a foundation in Jesus Christ. The second key 
is having uh, a, a strong identity in Jesus Christ. And the third key that we'll talk about is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. But to touch on again, you are who God says you are. You are forgiven. You are accepted in the beloved. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are loved. You are blessed and highly favored and freed and healed and redeemed and, and above and not beneath. That is if you're a child of God. I know that it's not politically correct to say, you know, they always say, hey, we're all God's children. Well, that's not what this Bible says. You've got to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've got to, there's this, this, this sin problem, this, this sin issue that, that, that separates us from God, dating all the way back to Adam and Eve. God gave them clear instructions. They disobeyed those instructions. Transgression or sin came into their lives, and it came into the world. And, and it doesn't matter what you do or don't do. You're simply born into that. You know, I always say, you know, as parents, you don't have to teach your kids how to be greedy, how to, how to fight over a toy and whack the other kid over the head. You never sat down and taught them that, did you? Amen? They were born into it. They were born in little sinners, you know, little born sinners. Amen? We don't call them that, but we just look at the fruit and, and, and the evidence of their lives, you know, and finally they get, they get redeemed and, and uh, they still mess up from time to time, but they're doing good. Amen. <laughs> So again, the problem is separation from God because of our sin. Here's what the Bible says, that we've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. You guys have probably heard that before. Every single one of us has sinned and we fall short of the glory of God, but we've got to do something about that sin. We've got, God has already done something about that sin. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the cross 2,000 years ago to pay the penalty for the, pay that price that we couldn't pay on our own. Amen. Romans 6.23, it says, the wages of sin is death. And so just like in my life, you, you know, figured out ways to sin, it seemed like back in the day, but the wages of that sin continued to be death and destruction. And I always think, you know, like looking back, it was like going round and round the flagpole, but yet the view never changed. You know, Travis always talks about how, you know, he changed his phone number multiple times, you know, went through treatment multiple times, but it was just round and round and round we go. And, you know, you don't have to have a crazy story like mine or, or come out of meth addiction like, like Travis did. You know, I think, uh, you know, Andy, your wife, Kaylin, when I, when I talked to her about her testimony, you know, grew up, you know, going to church and, and having a knowledge of God. You know, just like Pastor Mike, he had a, a tattoo of a cross on his arm. He had a knowledge of God, but he didn't have a relationship with God. And that's the way Kaylin was as well. You know, and as she grew up and, and came to youth here and, and then the word of God started to take hold in her life, she started to learn more. So again, it doesn't matter what your background. You don't have to be some crazy old, you know, you know sinner that has this, this crazy train wreck story like I do going to prison and all that stuff. God is waiting for each and every one of you. But again, the wages of sin is death. But here's the good news. The gift of God is eternal life. But it's through Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's only one way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no man or woman can come to the Father except through me. Again, I know that's not politically correct, but it's the truth. And anybody that wants to share with you, ask them to show it to you in the Bible, which is what I'm doing here. Here's the solution. God simply redeemed mankind and back to himself. You guys know the scripture really well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Father is standing there waiting. The Bible says, as you draw near to him, he'll draw nearer to you. He's already done everything to bring you back 2,000 years ago, and he's just set this point and time up for you today. You're not here on accident. People have been praying for you. We've been believing for you. And I want to tell you, this is a safe place. It's not a place of judgment or, 
or condemnation or anything like that. When I came here, people simply loved me. When my wife came here, you know, years ago, as, as big of a train wreck as we were, people simply loved us. But we couldn't understand that. We were like, how does that work? Because the world says, if I do something for you, you owe me, yeah. right? Tit for tat. I scratch your back, you owe me. You, you, you're going to scratch my back. But that's not what Christianity is. God gave. He, he gave first. And he gave his very best. And again, he's waiting for you. The Father's waiting for you. So, I don't know where you're at. This is what the Bible says. This is, this is how salvation works. It, it's, it's, it's praying a pr- simple prayer, accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, making him Lord of your life. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So what is salvation? Safe from that life of death and destruction. That pinpointed time, again, where you've got before Christ, and then you've got this time or season in life, and that's what I want you to ask yourself right now. Hold the mirror up to your life right now and say, have I had that pinpointed time or that season in my life where I've turned from doing things my own way? I'm not talking about being baptized as a baby or, or confirmed like I was as, a, as an eighth grader. That stuff doesn't work. That's religion. That's man's way to God. I had God, a belief in there, but I didn't have him in my heart. And maybe you're in that same boat. And, and just, you know, just to respect one another, if you'd, you'd bow your heads and close your eyes here, I'm going to talk to two groups of people. The first group is the person that, that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and made him Lord of your life. And, and same thing for you all online. If you've never made this commitment to the Lord, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to do that. So if you're in that situation, you say, you know what, today is that day. Today is that day of reckoning where I'm tired of going round and round and round and I'm looking for a way out. I'm telling you, Jesus is the only way. And if you just go ahead and slip a hand up, we would love to pray, pray with you and lead you into, into that right relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, don't overthink it. This is a safe place. Go ahead and slip that hand up. Then we've got a second group of people. You know, maybe you're a, a person that, that has slipped away from, from the Lord. You accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior at one time, but, but you've drifted away. I feel like that's the devil's one of his biggest uh, ploys is to get us to drift. You put the Bible down. You don't come to church for a week, and then it's a month, and then it's a year later, and, and you look around and you're like, man, I'm back where I started again. This is a, a, a daily picking up your cross and, and just every day moving forward. So if that's you and, and you, you, you recognize that you're off track and you simply want to get back on track, again, I would love to pray for you. If you'd slip your hand up, amen, and I see a few hands. Why don't we do this? Let's have everybody stand up. I'm going to lead all of you in a prayer of salvation or rededication. And here's the thing. Afterwards, you can come find me. I'll stand down here and, and uh, have a couple other leaders stand down here as well. Uh, I'm going to pray a, a prayer of salvation with you, but I would love to talk to you and, and meet you and, 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 again, just connect with you. So let's go ahead and, and bow ahead and let's, let's, let's lift one hand to the Lord. That's a sign of surrender. If you ever got held up, which I did many times, you put your hands up. Amen? So here's this prayer. So repeat this after me. Dear Jesus... I come to you as a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. I confess you as my Lord. I turn from following the world, and I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I am now a child of God, and I thank you, Father, for saving me.
Amen. And those of you online, if you prayed that prayer right now, we want to just say thank you and congratulations. But if you would, in the comments below, just let us know so we can connect with you somehow. Pastors would love to hear, you know, about that, that first time salvation or that rededication. And we'd, again, love to connect with you. And thanks for getting on online. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30. We also have a midweek service on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.